0: Hey Dreamers, Joe Pardo here, I just wanted to record a quick audio clip, Um, I've been super busy these last couple weeks so I haven't had a chance to do the Facebook Live, Uh, Matt has been sick so he hasn't been around, Uh, it's just been really crazy with so many things going on and I, I really want to do it all justice and I still am going to get my YouTube channel up and running, I know I said I was going to do it in July, I know it's August, First, when I'm recording this, but August second is right around the corner, so I'm I'm gonna make it happen. Um, it's just the, these last couple weeks have been super super busy for me, which is good. Lots of clients coming through the door, lots of uh, opportunities. Uh, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, I was just hanging out with Ben Vereen and Ben Folds, uh, producing an episode for the of uh, for the Nam Show. Go check out their podcast. Uh, it's N A M M uh, Show, the Nam Show. Uh, it's a podcast on iTunes, so you can check it out. So, uh, yeah, so many things have been going on, and I just wanted to you know, record something real quick to let you know that I haven't decided to stop doing these pre-shows, but it's just been really hectic. So, I hope everybody has a great week. Uh, this, this episode is with Jeff Barnes, it's episode 241, and Jeff Barnes is a very good friend of mine, uh, and there's awesome stuff around the corner, Uh, I'm also going to be working on my my third book very, very soon, probably in the next two weeks. Uh, And from what I can gather, it seems like my book, Sales Won't Save Your Business, is going to be a hit from every person that I've talked to who seems really excited about what I can bring to the table as far as uh, optimizing your business so that when sales peak, you can keep on chugging along. All right, guys and girls. And everyone else, have a wonderful week and enjoy this episode with Jeffrey Barnes. Sorry, D- Dr. Jeffrey Barnes. Joe, I have a challenge for you. What, what's that, Matt? I want you to give me a way to support the Dreamers podcast that's not only easy, but it's not going to cost me any money. Buy stuff on Amazon. Really? Yes. Go to superjoepardo.com forward slash Amazon. Update your bookmark for Amazon to that link, superjoepardo.com. forward slash slash Amazon every time you make a purchase I get money Joe and the time it took you to describe that I've already done it and I'm a slow typer you know what why don't you go buy some uh, Mavis typing tutor on Amazon using the superjoeparter.com forward slash Amazon and help contribute to dreamers podcast it'll be here in two days thanks Amazon Prime hey dreamers today I'm talking with Dr. Jeff Barnes or should I say Dr. Disneyland who is making his dreams come true by sharing the wisdom of Walt Disney. Glad to have you on the show, Jeff.
1: Thank you, Joe. <laughs> uh
0: so uh, for those that don't know, um on another show that I'm on, uh Living the Dream podcast, we interviewed Jeff at the uh those the Polynesian Bungalows on four, like it was 4th of July weekend. It was really awesome, really special and uh Jeff was so gracious to fly from California to Disney World uh to to be there for that event and of course we had a party and it was it was it was wonderful. It was like we had a party just for you, Jeff.
1: <laughs> you know um getting me to fly to Disney World, boy, that's a tough call. But yeah, that um that's actually one of the most memorable days and one of the most memorable events of my life and you know meeting you and having the opportunity to give that interview and you know be it Disney World on the 4th of July, very special memory.
0: Yeah, getting to watch the fireworks on the back deck of that bungalow, like right over the castle and everything is uh, in a packed house with all Disney heads. Uh, our friend Beatrice Fini, who was a previous guest a uh, so, couple times on this show, uh, was so gracious to rent that and throw this party, and, and we it all just worked out beautifully, so uh, I, it was definitely a, a treasured memory of mine, for yep,
1: sure. Sp- special day.
0: Um, so since since then, though, uh, it's been a whirlwind of of book <laughs> sales and speaking engagements, and uh, just really, like, you're, you've just been crushing it, Jeff. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and, and talk about some of the new things that you have going on, and even potentially some new books.
1: Sure. Um, you know, I, Joe, you and I've talked, and I believe that every individual... Has some sort of idea, some sort of crazy thought, some sort of dramatic dream inside of them. Uh, You know, Walt wasn't special or unique. Uh, He just had the courage to pursue his dreams. And I think when we learn his story, it could inspire and motivate all of us to make our own dreams come true. And, uh, you know, fortunately, because of Walt's example, you know, he's really sort of giving me the opportunity uh, to, you know, start living and even. Greater story, and you know, this past year since the book was released in July, it, it really has been just that—an absolute whirlwind. Uh, you know, for years I dreamed of teaching a college-level course on uh, the history of Disneyland, but twenty years prior to that, I I had this idea that you know everything that we need to learn in life about leadership and and success and to live a great story, all of that is taught to us on an example you know, at Disneyland or at Disney World. And, you know, here we are, you know, years later. And, you know, we we started just this morning, the the third semester of the history of Disneyland. And, you know, we we actually have a book now and we're about a third way writing a follow-up book entitled Beyond the Wisdom of Walt, More Leadership Lessons from the Happiest Place on Earth. And three years ago, I was probably where most of our listeners are, And that's, uh, you know, you've got this idea, you've got this thought, you've got this dream, but you haven't even really started on it yet. And so my encouragement to everyone is, you know, dreams really do come true and not just for Walt Disney and not just at Disneyland or Disney World. And we can experience it ourselves if we simply have enough courage to get started.
0: Most definitely. And that's, you know, that... Uh, that love of following your dreams is what brought you and I together um, and so many people with this show and and people that I've gotten to know because of this show, uh, including yourself. So uh, it, it, you know, it's a wonderful, it, 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 you know, it's a story that goes back for me even before this show uh, just getting to go to Disney world all the time and meeting so many wonderful people that all share that love and passion. So um, yeah, I'd agree that a lot of times people don't, don't follow what they, what they really want to accomplish because they put these, you know, it's, it's easy to shoot down things when you're just sitting around on a, you know, Sunday afternoon, like spitballing. like, well, I could write this book about Walt Disney, but you know, do I really know enough? Am I really enough of a quote unquote expert on it? Am I, you know, how would I go about doing that? I don't know anything about writing books. I don't know anything about publishing books. I don't know. I don't know anything. Um, and I would love, Jeff, and I don't recall if um, if we shared the whole story or not, you know, a year ago on on Living the Dream, but I would love for you to go back into the background of like telling, you know, the first steps that you took to get this whole book idea off the ground in the first place.
1: Sure. Uh, the, the book idea probably goes back to about 1991 and I didn't do anything with it. Uh, I just sort of, you know, thought about it and you know, had a a bunch of different ideas, but nothing really for certain, uh, nothing in in concrete. And then, uh, you know, when Nikki and I got married and, you know, we actually went to Disneyland because she had never been before, when I took her there on my honeymoon, on our honeymoon, and I was pointing out, you know, the berm and, you know, how Walt wanted to keep all of the magic inside the park and the distractions of the outside world outside of the park and, how that's just a really important lesson about you know staying focused, or you know the way in which Walt wanted to be remembered as a storyteller, and so he built the park for the purpose of telling stories. And you know they don't have rides at Disneyland or Disney World, but instead they have attractions that in fact tell stories. And you know I I remember saying to her, wow, you know what if the park isn't just telling us great stories? What if it's actually challenging us? to live our own great story. And, you know, she finally stopped me and she said, you realize not everyone knows this, and you realize not everyone sees it this way. And I just sort of assumed, well, everybody knew it, and everybody saw it that way. And, you know, so she just gave me even greater encouragement to start putting my ideas down on paper. And, you know, before the book actually started getting written, you know, we turn these ideas into a college level course on uh, the history of disneyland and i think to some level joe that was sort of the safer option for me uh, because i am in higher education i do teach a lot of history classes now i'll be honest i sort of delayed on that for a little while as well cuz i didn't want to be the you know faculty member who lost his job or lost tenure for you know wanting to teach a, a mickey mouse class if you will uh, but you know, eventually I you know, managed to sell California Baptist University on the idea. And man, that first summer, it, it was just phenomenal. And I think it was really there that I came to realize this could work. And, and what I mean by that is not just work as an idea in my head and not just work as a college-level course, but the, the appetite that the students have for learning about Walt and learning about Disneyland Learning about leadership and learning about success was was insatiable to the point where you know we couldn't enroll everyone in the class and you know the class couldn't go on for forever and I sort of realized I I have a responsibility here to get this message out to as many people as possible and so ultimately that looped back into you know eventually writing a book which you know became uh, the wisdom of Walt and. You know, I think an important story in all of this that's important for the listeners to know is, you know, the day after I gave the very first lecture in my history of Disneyland class 3 summers ago, the very next day I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And, you know, the neurologist at Cedars-Sinai in Los Angeles said to me, it's life-threatening, it needs to come out. Today's Friday, I need you back here at Tuesday at at the latest. And I told him, I said, I'm not going to be back here on Tuesday or any Tuesday in the near future because I have a class to teach. And I think it was in that moment that I truly came to recognize that even beyond a dream, this this is a major, major, major passion of mine. And so we put brain surgery off for two and a half months so I could teach the course. And then as I was recovering, you know, I said to Nikki, I said, it's great that the class Got taught, you know, it's great that the surgery went well. It's great that I'm recovering, but I still haven't written the book. And Nikki said, Well, what would it take to finally write the book? And that's when we got serious. And I think part of it was fueled by that realization, you know, we're all mortal. None of us are going to be here for forever. And our ideas matter. We have that thought, we have that dream for a reason and the second we take it seriously we're going to begin taking action and we're going to see it come true sooner rather than later
0: no i definitely agree and and it's fortunate that uh that time that you put off to teach the class wasn't the last class you ever got to teach (laughs) um it, it was did that ever cross your mind that like i might be putting this off for the wrong like not for the wrong reasons but like to the um to the too long
1: like well um i mean there were certainly a lot of people in my circle who didn't understand this at all uh you know they they certainly didn't understand putting off brain surgery i've had some people say forget tuesday i wouldn't have left the hospital on friday without them you know getting getting that thing out of me and you know certainly when they come to find out that it was, a, it was a college course and it was a college course on, you know, the history of Disneyland, you know, people either get that or, or they don't. And all I can say is uh, there was a level of commitment and, and there was a level of conviction that um, for whatever reason, I've been blessed, some might even say cursed at some level, to see the park in a certain way. That, again, I think translates into ways that can inspire and motivate all of us uh, so that our dreams can come true, not just at Disneyland, um, but so that we can live each and every day as if it were a day at Disneyland. And uh, if if I can get that message out there, I'm willing to make really any sacrifice necessary uh, to see that it gets heard.
0: I, I I can tell I, I have no question in my mind about that, uh, and I and I kind of agree with those people that say I wouldn't want to leave, <laughs> I wouldn't want to leave the hospital at that point. I would just. Feel like, <laughs> all right, let's, what do we got to do? Because uh, this is not good. Um, but you know, it, it, all things you know happen for a reason, and and uh, fortunately, everything worked out, and and it's worked out better because. You know, it, it pushed you to write this book and share this, what, what you had inside of you and the passion that you had inside with you with many more people than you'd be able to share with one class in one college in one part of the world.
1: Exactly. And Joe, I'll tell you, um, you know, just like you, you don't ever have story without conflict. Um, if, if stories don't have conflict, they're just boring and nobody cares. There would be no Wisdom of Walt if I had not been diagnosed with a brain tumor. There would be no book if I had not gone through brain surgery. And so not only do we have a book as a result, I actually think we have a better book as a result. Um, Walt built the park for the purpose of telling stories, and I actually used the Wisdom of Walt to tell some of my own stories to include some of the stories related to that diagnosis and related to that summer and and, and that surgery. And what I am hearing from readers over and over and over again is that they love the personal connection. They love hearing, uh, you know, my story and to some degree mine and Nikki's story. And, and that was a little bit of a risk. There's some vulnerability and some transparency there. And to see that, you know, readers are connecting with that um, is, is a lot of validation that I really appreciate.
0: Oh, definitely. And and you know, that's what happens when you share your story, right? Like you might get people that are like, "I don't I don't get it. Why you love Disney World or Disneyland and Disney so much?" But uh but that's okay cuz you know what? Not everyone's going to get. You're not you're not supposed to be for everyone, right? You're right. not supposed to be loved by nope. everyone at every time, at every moment of our lives. So, uh you know, it it doesn't matter. Uh yeah. you know, I'm I'm actually surprised though. Um that it took so long to get a college uh, or a university on board with this idea of doing a, a class. I'm, you know what's funny is, and you say, like, oh, a Mickey Mouse class. Like, like we can joke, like, oh, it's the Mickey Mouse police, and it's like, oh, that's, like, security guards, right? But but the difference between that, when I think of that versus, like, a Mick job, there's, like, no comparison there, you know? Oh, not Which, even close. Yeah, the level of, I mean, and – and I mean, things have transpired since you know Walt was here, and, and everything like that, in in the job um, structures and and all that. But you know, it, it to me, it holds a much better weight than saying like, "Oh, you're a mixed security guard," you right? Are, or a McGuard?
1: Or is that a sandwich, yep. McGuard? Yeah, I it sounds almost more McDonald's than it does Mickey Mouse. So yeah, yeah, um, it, it's. It's interesting how culturally we use those terms interchangeably. You know, today, Disney's the largest entertainment company on the planet. I I think many people would argue that not only did they set the standard uh, for the hospitality industry, but they created entirely new and different industries by opening Disneyland and then ultimately Disney World. Uh, You know, there's not a company that wouldn't want to emulate them in some form or fashion at least when it comes to their success and then yet at the same time we refer to things as you know somewhat superficial and narrow as quote unquote Mickey Mouse and it's uh, sort of interesting you know how we want to have it both ways.
0: <laughs> Definitely. So Jeff could you go into some of the first steps that you took when you were like okay, let's get serious about the book.
1: <laughs> well, The very first step that we took, Joe, was I I hired a coach. And and the reason for that is I I recognized if I could do this by myself, I would have done it 20 years ago. And, you know, we hadn't been able to get there. And so I went on, on a limb and I made an investment in my dream. I made an investment in myself. I made an investment in my dream. And we spent a few dollars on a writing and publishing coach and i'm not saying everybody has to do that but what i am saying is your dream is going to require some level of investment and some level of sacrifice uh you know walt when he went to build disneyland you know the budget started out at three and a half to four million dollars by the time they opened the park it was at 17 million dollars he had a lot at stake and uh you know dreams are worth that sort of investment and worth that that sort of sacrifice. So that was really uh, step number one, and quite frankly, once I had spent some money on the coach, I, I had some skin in the game. It, it, this wasn't just an idea in, in my head that may or may not happen. You know, the only worse than uh, the only thing worse than having the dream and not seeing it realized is spending money on your dream and not seeing it realized. So you know, once we invested in the coach, I, I was going to write a book. Regardless, and uh, I I think what he helped me to see first and foremost is you don't have to have everything figured out before you get started. Uh, I, uh, you know, I wanted to have the perfect book idea, I wanted to have the perfect book outline, I wanted to write the perfect sentence, the perfect paragraph, the perfect page, the perfect chapter. And like I said, none of that was working because we had sort of stopped and started, stopped and started, stopped and started over the years. And so what he helped me to do is is get an outline down that was going to provide the structure necessary for me to begin putting words down on paper. And then once we started writing, he gave me permission and, you know, trust me, being in academics... This was a huge thing for me. He said, all I need you to do is write a D minus first draft piece of crap manuscript. And I think for a lot of us, we procrastinate on our dreams because we want it to be perfect. We, we know in our head what we want the final product to be like. And the second we start and as it begins to get translated, it doesn't look like that perfect vision then we want to stop and start over and stop and start over and stop and start over. And my coach just said, look, I I just need you to write every single day and I don't need it to be perfect. I don't need it to be an A, a B, a C or a D manuscript. I just need a D minus first draft. And the uh, illustration that he gave me was he said, Hey, I, I want you to pretend that you're driving from Disneyland to disney world he, he was using imagery that i could understand here and he said if if you were going to leave your house in riverside at night would you need to be able to see disney world cinderella castle through your headlights as you're getting ready to leave california and i was like well no i'd be lucky if i could see 20 feet in front of me and he goes exactly so every day that you sit down to write you only need to be able to write 20 feet in front of you. And then as far as gas, he said, are you going to have enough gas in your tank to get you all the way to Orlando? Now, Joe, we drive uh, Toyota Prius out here in California. We get really good gas mileage. We're not getting all the way to Orlando on a single tank of gas. And so his encouragement was, in order to keep moving forward on my dream of writing The Wisdom of Walt, was I only need to write, needed to write enough to get me to the next day or to get me to the next gas station. And then, you know, 333 words becomes 666 words, becomes 999 words. Uh, he talked about it, you know, trying to scale the mountain. And uh, you know, before you know it, you have a complete finished D-67,000 word manuscript. And then you simply begin to edit from there.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, uh, I mean, you know, doing two books myself, um, you know, you don't always know how it's going to turn out, but you have to, you have to work it out. And, uh, I mean, I'm a big proporter of doing the outlines, you know, if you do an outline yep. then you can fill in the outline, like, like that, like overnight, but very similar to, to, you know, writing a manuscript and putting those pieces together and then, you know, fitting it together like a puzzle and then write, you know, editing and rewriting parts that don't make sense or parts that, um, you would say, "Oh, I already said this earlier. I don't need to say it again. At, at least mm-hmm. not in the same exact way or the same exact manner that I did before." So, yeah, I mean, just getting started. I a big, you know, on this show, uh, listeners know I'm a big proponent of just do a Google search. You know, that's the first step of anything. Do a Google search, and you know, yep. then you can figure out what the terminology is. And once you get the terminology down, you know, it's just like learning a language. You start. Going through and you figure it out and you you do a little more searching and a little more and in this case it's about writing but you know though it all starts with just the the initiative to be like I'm going to do this and uh and and I love the the gas station the terminology because like at times that we do find ourselves stalled uh because we we like oh well how do we do this or how do we do that but but to me like that's where that good outline comes into play like because you already know what direction you're going to go into and you don't have to like you know, write yourself into a dead end, if you will. Right.
1: No, exactly. Um, I I think the real encouragement there is to simply get started and trust the creative process. And, you know, the story that I like to share really goes back uh, to Walt and his dream of Disneyland. Uh, You know, at some point... You know, he came to realize that, you know, his dream for an amusement park was bigger than, you know, the few acres that he had in uh, Burbank next to the studio. And so they would go out and, you know, purchase property in Anaheim. And, you know, then they would need corporate sponsors and loans from banks. And so they were getting ready to send Roy out to New York uh, to secure all of that. And Walt would go on to say that, you know, dreams don't have collateral And so those bankers and those corporate sponsors were going to be looking for something tangible, something concrete. And it was at that point that they realized we need to get this dream, this idea of Disneyland out of Walt's head and on some sort of piece of paper that looks like a map. And so on a Saturday morning, 48 hours before Aurora headed east, they called Herb Ryman in and said, hey, we're building an amusement park and Herb says, well, that sounds great. What are you going to call it? And Walt says, we're going to call it Disneyland. And Herb says, well, that's about as good a name as any. You know, I'd love to see a map so I can, you know, tell what it looks like. And they were like, well, funny you should say that. We don't have a map. In fact, that's why you're here. We need one, and we need one by Monday. And Herb goes, oh, no, 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 Walt. Um, I, there's, there's no way I can do this in, in 48 hours. the first I've heard of it. I would end up embarrassing you, embarrassing your dream, and embarrassing me. And Walt would go on to say to Herbie, well, Herbie, this is my dream. I've wanted it my entire life. If I stayed here with you, would you be willing to work on it then? And Herbie, of course, agreed. And over the next 48 hours in what came to be known of as The Lost Weekend, all of these ideas that had been percolating in Walt's mind for 15 years of not a lifetime, were finally put down on paper. And today, it's the most valuable artwork anywhere in the Disney archives. And yet, when you look at that first map of Disneyland, sure, a lot of it looks like Disneyland even to today. And yet, at the same time, there are pieces and parts of it that were never built and never saw the light of day. Walt didn't need that map to be perfect. He simply needed it to get started.
0: Definitely. Um, Jeff, speaking of getting started, uh, how did your family take it when you were like, okay, we're going to take this, we're going to get this book thing serious.
1: Um, you know, Nikki is my biggest supporter and and biggest fan. Uh, She always believes in whatever idea or dream that I, you know, am coming up with next. And so she was very, very supportive um, our, our children were a little bit, uh, and I'm not sure, you know, our youngest ones really understood and, you know, it, it took a lot of time away from them. It took a lot of time away from, uh, you know, family, uh, opportunities, quite frankly, I think they were glad when it was done so that my answer to everything wasn't always, I'm sorry, but I'm, you know, writing, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to, to do that right now. And then um, our daughter, who works as an investigative journalist in Las Vegas, you know, she was really supportive. Um, you know, she makes her living as a writer, and, you know, she has heard of this dream for, you know, more than 20 years as well. And, you know, she was just thrilled to, you know, see it finally, you know, get put down on paper.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Um, So, with, with that said, what's been the, what was the biggest roadblock for you, like, I, I mean, I, I guess we'll cross the whole thing from speaking to uh, writing the book. Like what's been the biggest thing that's like held you back?
1: Uh I think confidence. Uh, you know, I kept saying to my coach, you know, you want D minus manuscript first draft. Well, what if I'm an F writer? And, you know, everything that I wrote, I'm like, this is a piece of crap. This isn't any good. I don't know what I'm doing. Who am I to think? that I could become a writer? Who am I to think that I could you know, possibly write a book? And, and that really stayed with me probably through the first half of the manuscript. And a, a, a couple of things happened that sort of helped transform that. Um, one of them happened, and I didn't write from beginning to end, uh, you know, using the gas station mentality. Um, I committed to a discipline of 333 words every single day. Uh, no matter what. Now, there were some days when we wrote more, but we never wrote anything less. And uh, I was working on the introduction to all who read this happy book one afternoon, and I was talking about how I believe we can live every day like it's a day at Disneyland. And then I was encouraging the readers to listen to the park. And after I said listen to the park, I then ended it with, Mickey Mouse ears not required. And I didn't think about it. I, I didn't you know it just it just it just came out. It just appeared right there on the screen. And I, the second I wrote that Joe, it was like, wow, you can do this. you might actually have something here. And then as I've heard from readers, aside from the personal stories, uh, as you know, each chapter has a souvenir stop which is where the reader gets to work on their dreams or work on whatever the lesson for that particular chapter might be It's sort of a workbook part of The Wisdom of Walt. And um, the souvenir stops, and then the very final story in each chapter is referred to as a hand-stamp story, Uh, the idea being that this is going to be the story that I'll share at the end of each chapter that is most memorable and, and stamps the lesson from... That chapter onto your mind, or or maybe even onto your heart. And the idea being, you know, you're at the end of the chapter, but you're not at the end of your day or at the end of the Wisdom of Walt. We expect that you're going to come back. And of course, when you go to Disneyland or Disney World, in order to re enter the park, you have to have a, a hand stamp. And so it was about halfway through that I came up with the structure of a souvenir stop and a hand stamp story. And people have just said that. That's really their favorite part of the book. I would love to tell you that 20 years ago I had that idea. I would love to tell you that when I sat down and did the outline, I had that idea. Um, I'm just not that bright. You really sort of came to me about halfway through the process. And so my encouragement to the listeners is whatever your dream is, whatever that idea might be, just trust it and trust yourself. Get started and somewhere along the way it's going to start making sense and when it does you're going to build an awful lot of confidence
0: oh most certainly yeah i mean again it does it starts with just getting started and um the best idea is because again you're not just sitting there spitballing ideas you know without actually getting any traction or actually putting any you know boots to boots to the ground there on on your dream so Yeah, doing doing those things. I mean, like a lot of my best ideas didn't come from just sitting around. They came from getting involved with the project that I'm working on, and then like, oh, this this sounds good, or this will work, or this could work, or here's why this thing won't work. But maybe if I do, oh, look at this! You know, it worked out, and then you look like a genius. But you did you put the work in, you put the time in, you put the thought in, you put the process in, and over time, that's what you know. It doesn't. You don't get the you know. I mean, Walt's original ideas d- didn't all come to fruition the way he expected them to. You know no, You of have to not. tackle problem after problem after problem and, um, and, and then come up you know, with so- multiple solutions for those problems because they introduce more problems when you introduce those solutions. So it's, yep. it's so difficult. Um, but it, it, it's made really easy just by doing the work.
1: Yeah, I mean, Walt himself once said the best way to get something done is to stop talking, and start doing. We have to show up, and you know, dreams require work, and you know, I don't care if it's 333 words or 20 minutes a day, whatever the case may be. We simply have to show up. I, I think our ideas and our dreams deserve that, and when we show up, every single day somewhere along the way something special and something magical is going to happen
0: you know what's funny is there, is you remind me of the of my teachers of past that said like if you just do the work you're going to get like an at least a b if you just yes. do the work like you don't yep. have to you know it doesn't have to be an a but you know just doing the work is enough to get you you know more than an average
1: yep woody allen once say not once said 90 percent of life is showing up and so whatever your dream is, it needs you to show up. And, and when you show up, uh, the muse or the genius or something special at some point is going to show up as well.
0: Most definitely. Jeff, what was your childhood dream
1: growing up? I wanted to be a U.S. history teacher. Uh, if you had uh, you know, asked anyone in uh, elementary, middle, or high school, hey, what's Jeff going to do? They would have said he's going to be a U.S. history teacher. He's going to be an American government teacher. He's going to be a civics teacher. And it took me a while to sort of figure that out. And you know, now I'm really living my dream of teaching not just U.S. history, but actually teaching, uh, you know, the history of uh, Disneyland. I I believe that the park really models and mirrors who we are as the American people from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And beyond, and I do believe it is the ultimate source of motivation and inspiration for all of us to see our own dreams come true.
0: You know, I I I couldn't agree more. Obviously, I, you know, obviously. Um, but I, it's funny. A, a friend of mine and previous guests on the show, I, I was hanging out with uh with my friend in Disneyland. And she had never really, she'd been to Disneyland like one time before and she just, she just couldn't get it. And by the end of the day, she, she kind of understood it, even though she wasn't like a raving fan of it. You know, she, she put it in a way like we're like when we're standing in line for, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, like we're Mm -hmm. standing. And, and the thing is, is I was explaining it this way. But I think he wasn't explaining it in a way that she understood, and the way she explained it back to me, I think, makes a lot more sense. Which was, we're basically standing in a living painting. Um, you know, it's a it's a living art project, and and then she got it. Like she's like, oh, I understand why this means so much to you because everything that's that's here is is set up for a very specific reason, and everything's done very intentionally, and it just didn't just kind of, oh, well, that just happened because. You know, so and so didn't show up to work that day, and 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 right. Uh, well, except for that one story with the with the orange groves getting cut, the, the trees that got cut down. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, what was it? The guy was colorblind that was cutting down the cutting down the trees at Disneyland. Before yeah, when uh,
1: when when Walt first p- picked out uh, the 180 acres in Anaheim, uh, there's a lot of different reasons why he picked the property in Anaheim, but one of those reasons was. You know, he wanted a flat canvas where he could build his own version of rivers and jungle cruises and mountains and pirate ships. And uh, you know, the land of course started off as orange groves and, and walnut trees. And most of those trees needed to be cleared, but then some of them he wanted to save specifically for, you know, say foliage in the jungle cruise or some, you know, trees in frontier land. And so they went through and they tagged green all of the trees that they wanted to be cleared and read the ones that they wanted to keep. And then Walt went out and hired a color blind bulldozer operator. And, you know, he managed to clear all of them. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes, you know, that's kind of feels like the way life happens. We we get started on our dream and we want it to go one way and it ends up going in a completely different direction. Uh, And that's part of the process, too,
0: though. When you really think about it, it wasn't. Uh, it actually worked out in his favor because he really got that blank canvas that he was looking for.
1: Um, he, he he did get the black the blank canvas, and uh, you know, Wall had a way of turning obstacles into advantages. And I think that's another I- important lesson here. Uh, you know, you're going to face roadblocks. You're going to face obstacles, and the, the question isn't if, but it's really when and being able to turn those into your advantage is just going to enable you uh to you know see your dream to completion.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Jeff, uh what do your dreams for the future look like now that you um have us the it the soft
1: cover book uh of Wisdom of Walt is out? Well, we have two uh, immediate future dreams. One, uh, you know, I wanted to teach the history of Disneyland, and, you know, we're doing that for the third summer in a row. Um, I wanted to write a book, uh, and, you know, The Wisdom of Walt was released last summer. And then I want to walk onto Main Street and buy a copy of my book. Now, my wife, Nikki, doesn't really understand that. We've got 800 copies of The Wisdom of Walt sitting in the garage right now. So the idea that we're going to travel 33 miles to Main Street and, you know, spend our own money for a copy of a book that I wrote, he doesn't quite get that. Uh, But when I was writing the book, I had actually gone on to Main Street and went into the bookstore where they sell books and took a picture of their bookcase. And I used that as sort of a visualization technique every morning or every evening, depending on what time of day I was writing. And I would stare at that bookcase before I would sit down to write as part of my dream of I'm going to get this book done and it's going to sell so well that Disney itself is going to want it. And as a result, I'm going to walk into Disneyland. I'm going to walk onto Main Street. I'm going to go into that bookstore and I'm going to purchase a copy of my own book. And uh, the paperback version was picked up by Theme Park Press. It was released two weeks ago. And they are in the process of pitching it to Disney um, even now, and so hopefully in the not too distant future, that dream is ultimately going to be realized. And then uh, moving forward from that, we're about a third of the way through a follow-up book. You know, I came to realize there's more leadership lessons, there's more life lessons that we didn't cover in the Wisdom of Walt. And then, uh, you know, Walt passed away at the age of 65 in December of 1966. Disneyland is the only park that he ever actually walked in. Uh, They wouldn't break ground on Disney World and Magic Kingdom in Florida until 1967. And, you know, that park has its own history and that park has its own story. And so I want to go beyond Walt's life. And, you know, talk not just about Disneyland, but Disney World as well. And really some of the life lessons that we can learn from Roy and some of the other Imagineers and some of the other Disney leaders.
0: Ah, uh, definitely. And and there was even uh, talks of another book for, uh, for the small people of the world.
1: <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because I have um, I, I've done as many as six book events in a single weekend. And I can't tell you the number of adults who have asked me for a children or youth version of The Wisdom of Walt. Uh, You know, they know that their kids love Disneyland and they see that as a ready-made vehicle uh, for inspiring them and motivating them to live a great story as early as possible. And so I would love to find someone like, say, uh, Super Joe Pardo. To partner with to help uh, turn the wisdom of Walt into a story that would resonate uh, with an even younger audience.
0: Well, I I gotta say uh, if you, if that's an official ask, I'm I'm down, man.
1: Well, it's an official <laughs> ask.
0: Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that uh, after we get done recording here, which which we sadly uh, pretty much have come to the end here. So, uh, Jeff, before we share how people can connect with you, get the wisdom of Walt. Uh, it, you know, any up, well, I don't know about upcoming, but any big upcoming events that you have, uh, in the next, like say three months or so, um, is, is there any last thoughts you'd like to share?
1: Well, I think, uh, most of all, I want to encourage our listeners. Uh, you know, what that idea is, you know, what that thought is that keeps you up at three o'clock in the morning, you know, what the dream is. And my encouragement again is, Uh, Have that courage. Get started. Know that your dream can, in fact, come true. Uh, It did for Walt. Um, I'm very blessed and very fortunate because it did for me, and I believe it can for each and every one of us. Uh, When Disneyland opened in 1955, we needed it, and I believe we need whatever your dream might be as well. And the world is going to be less if you don't show up and make it happen. Uh, as far as upcoming uh, future events, uh, we're doing a number of local things here in uh, May. I think probably the biggest event this summer is uh, we're doing a couple of speaking events for the annual Disney Anna fan convention in Anaheim in July. And, of course, all of that is built around Disneyland's birthday. Uh, so it starts on you know, July 13th and runs through uh, the 16th. And then we all, of course, you know, head to the park and you know, sing happy birthday Uh, to the original Disneyland on July 17th. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Jeff, can you please share how people can connect with you?
1: Sure. Um, You can find me at thewisdomofwalt.com. You can find me on Facebook, Jeff Barnes. Uh, The Wisdom of Walt Leadership Lessons from the Happiest Place on Earth has its own Facebook page. Uh, The book is available, hard copy, soft cover, ebook audiobook all four versions can be found on Amazon again the title of the book is the wisdom of Walt leadership lessons from uh, the happiest place on earth and I am on Twitter at dr. Disneyland
0: awesome I will definitely have that in the show notes for people to reach out and connect with you and I I really uh, invite them to do so because Jeff is a great guy I'm so happy to Uh, be able to call him my friend and we we chat regularly so um thank you jeff for taking the time to be on the show i I really really appreciate it
1: oh thank you joe it's been my honor thank you for joining us for this episode of the dreamers podcast follow us on twitter at dreamers podcast join us on facebook at facebook.com slash dreamers podcast if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to J at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.